message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Thank you, Rooted, for that introduction. Now, I wonder, do you have your advent calendar already? Do you go traditional with card and pictures? Do you have a chocolate one? Or do you fill your own? Our advent calendar is 24 baby socks. We bought them when we were newly married seven years ago. And you can imagine us hunting the shops in Loughborough, trying to avoid any busybodies in the church so no rumours started. But each year I sit down with a tub of chocolates and fill each baby sock with chocolates. And even though I know what's coming, it doesn't spoil my excitement at all. I still get a chocolate each day on my way to work and the excitement for Christmas builds. And it can be a bit like that with the church, the Christmas story. You know, we hear it year on year and year, but actually don't let that familiarity breed contempt. You know, God has got something fresh for us every Christmas. And I pray the season of Advent will be no different for you this year. We're about to start a new series, um, and the first one's this week um, as we begin Advent. It's called Christmas Through the Eyes Of, and we're going to be looking at the Christmas story through some of the big characters in it, um, and hearing what God wants to say to us through that. I hope that through these you will begin to see the miracle of Christmas, perhaps in a new way, even if you've heard it time and time again. So let me pray, and then we'll start digging into God's Word. God, would you be with us today in our own homes as we hear from your word? God, I pray that the words I speak will be directly from your heart. God, God, give us ears to hear exactly what you want us to hear um, as we prepare for Christmas Day. Amen. So I have the privilege this week of talking about Christmas through the eyes of Mary. Her story might be well known to you. You might have watched lots of nativity plays. Perhaps you've even got to be Mary. But if you haven't heard it, or if you've heard it so many times, I'm just going to refresh us with um, the context in which we find Mary's story. So the Bible is split into Old Testament and to New Testament. We meet Mary just at the beginning of the New Testament. The Old Testament starts with God creating Adam and Eve. And from there, his people and the population grows and grows and grows. Um, his people go through a series of highs and lows in the Old Testament, victories, defeats, and it carries on. And when we meet Mary at the start of the New Testament, we're in that gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's been about five to six hundred years of the, God's people not hearing from him. They've got all these promises that are long foretold, the promise of a foretold Messiah that is going to save them. Their saviour is coming, but they are waiting. And it's in the silence and in the waiting that we hear the story of Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, who you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, 
and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So the first thing we're going to look at in Mary's story is God uses the unexpected. So first thing to know is God has already set a precedent of using the unexpected. We see it time and time again in the Old Testament. He uses a man in his late 600 year to build a boat to save his family and some animals. He uses a man hiding in a wine press to become a mighty warrior. He uses the youngest of eight sons to kill a giant. And he uses a timid Jewish girl and makes her queen. On and on these examples go. And in Mary's story, it's no different. We see plenty of unexpected things happen. So firstly, the answer to God's people's prayers didn't come to the capital city, but came to a town called Nazareth. Nazareth. So Nazareth was a town living pretty much in obscurity. It wasn't really on the way to anywhere. Um, I guess it's a bit like us having all the big news from London, but perhaps you wouldn't really expect big announcements to come from Burton or Derby, or maybe even where you're watching this today. Unexpected news in an unexpected place. The answer to their prayers didn't come to the head honcho, to the big guy, to, to the leader. Actually, the answer to their prayers was spoken by the angel Gabriel to a young girl. Now, Mary probably wasn't educated, um, didn't go to school, and she probably wasn't much older than um, the people we've seen and rooted today. God speaks 
his promise to a young girl. Pretty unexpected. And thirdly, the answer to the prayers didn't come as a warrior, ready to start a war and win a great battle. Actually, the answer to their prayers was a baby, born of a virgin. Pretty unexpected. It's easy to look back at the Bible and think, yes, well, those happened back then. Of course they did. But I felt that God wanted to remind us that he continues to use the unexpected today to bring his kingdom here on earth. He's done it before and he'll do it again. He says it in his word. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And in 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, the Lord does not see things the way that you do. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we know he was looking at Mary's heart. The message is clear throughout the Bible. God does not do things the way the world does. I wonder, do you feel expected or unexpected? Perhaps as lockdown set in and coronavirus shrunk our world, so your dreams and your visions and your hopes and desires also shrunk with them. Why would God use someone like me? You'd say to me, Lucy, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I've come from. I'm too busy. I'm, I'm not educated enough. I'm too old, too young. It can't be me. And I recognise that because those are words that have come out of my own mouth. So know that I'm talking to you not from a place of condemnation, but from a place of understanding, because I too fight this battle. And when we're fighting from these, with these questions, we've got to go back to basics and remember who we are and remember the exchange that took place when we became a Christian. When this baby, this miracle baby that came at Christmas, grew up, he died on a cross and he took on our sins. And in exchange, we received the name sons and daughters of the king. We are forgiven, commissioned to do God's work on this earth, loved and adored by the, by the king of the universe. Perhaps you're not a Christian here today. You're hearing this for the first time. And if you want to find out more, please do get in touch with us. You can do that through the prayer button now or at the end. But if you are a Christian here today, and you're having these thoughts, let's remind ourselves of who we are. If we disqualify ourselves from participating in God's kingdom work, we are shrinking God down to fit into our box. I'll say that again. If we disqualify ourselves from participating in God's kingdom works, we are shrinking God down to fit into our box. He's bigger than that. He is the one who flung stars into space. He is the one who split the Red Sea, who makes blind eyes open and raises the dead. If he can do all that, he can certainly use me and he can certainly use you. He can overcome any obstacle. Of course, we do need to be humble before God, recognising who he is, but that's not through belittling ourselves, for putting ourselves down, for, for condemning ourselves and, and you know, giving in to fears of inadequacy. 
rather than looking at ourselves, we need to set our gaze up high and remember he is the almighty God, creator and sustainer of this world. He is able to do more than we can ask or possibly even imagine in us, for us and through us. We simply just have to answer him and say, you know, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Why not you? If it was Noah, if it was Gideon, if it was David, if it was Esther, if it was Mary, it could be you. So in the second part of this talk, I'd like to, us to look at how we should respond when God speaks by looking at the life of, well, this, this story of Mary, really. Maybe you are already in a place ready to receive what the Lord has for you. I think we can learn loads from her about her response to God's promise and what she did in the waiting. When we look at Mary, her obedience is just incredible. She's just been told that at probably 14-ish, that she's going to be made pregnant by the Holy Spirit and give birth to this long-awaited saviour. And her response? I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Incredible. And it's in stark contrast to the the first part of this chapter where we hear about Elizabeth and Zechariah and the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah and said, your wife is going to be made pregnant even though she's old. She is going to have a baby. Zechariah didn't believe it and the angel Gabriel struck him dumb until that child was born because of his unbelief. He was a priest and yet this young girl chooses to humbly obey what the Lord has for her. You know, Mary probably had plans. You know, she was about to get married, got a wedding to plan, you know, then setting at home with Joseph. You know, perhaps his carpentry business would take off. Um, they'd have to get other people in and then maybe maybe have some kids and then maybe move out of Nazareth, maybe head to Bethlehem or something like that. I have plans too. I make lists. I try to plan and think what's ahead. And I think there is value to that, but... I think we've also got to be ready to respond to what God says to us. I don't know if you're able to play sport at the moment. I imagine in lockdown it's still pretty restricted. I used to play a lot of netball and one thing I was always told was to be on my toes. And get ready to be on your toes, ready to respond, ready to catch that ball, make that interception, mark that person, score that goal, on my toes, ready. And I think we've got to be like that as Christians. We can't just sit back and wait passively. Just wait for things to happen. You know, we've got to be active in our faith, listening, ready to respond when God calls us. And when he says go, go. When God pulls us out of something, out of our lists, out of our plans, he's always calling us to something better. When he pulls Mary out of her plans and, and her dreams for her life, he's calling her to something with eternal significance. It says this in Isaiah 55 verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. When Mary chooses to submit to God's will, there's no instant glory. There's a wait. 
You know, she had to tell her, her fiancé she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. The gossip and whispers of neighbours. She had to make that journey to Bethlehem on a donkey, heavily pregnant, give birth in a stable, raise this child, and then see him get rejected by so many and eventually die on a cross. There was no immediate glory, but there was this eternal significance and that's what Mary had to hold on to, that the God who promised her that her son would be the saviour of the world was faithful to his promises. Perhaps some of you have already answered God's call on your life. Perhaps you're walking through something right now that, that you can't see the end of and it's really tough. It's really tough in the waiting. You're trudging through each day saying, God, why are we here? Where is the end to this? And it's hard because although you know there is eternal significance, right now in the waiting, it feels hard. I know a little bit about this. So when I was 18, I was um, started having headaches and initially it was sort of three days out of seven and then it became seven days out of seven. I was due to start medical school, I had five years of study ahead of me and actually every day of my medical school journey I was struggling with those headaches. It made life pretty tough, heading to lectures and studying, and long, long days at placement, it was tough. The only thing I could hold on to was God had called me to be a doctor and he was faithful to his promises and those headaches went and I'm now a doctor. But the waiting was tough. And there are things perhaps that um, you're working through now, I'm working through, actually we are still in that waiting period. I think there's a few things that we can learn from Mary's response and what she did in that waiting period before Jesus was born and probably continued to do until he, you know, resurrected from the dead. We've heard a little bit about Graham and calling us to faith and perseverance. So there's a little overlap in some of this, but I don't think it'll hurt us to hear it again. So the first thing I think we can learn from Mary about what we do in the waiting is that we should get stuck into scripture. Throughout this passage and in her worship at the end, Mary's words are full of scriptural references. You know, she didn't have the Bible to hand like we did. These stories were passed down from ancestors to ancestors to ancestors, but she still knew them by heart. She knew about this long awaited saviour. I know I need to get to grips with God's word more. Maybe, maybe you do too. I need to commit it to memory and meditate upon his words. In the Psalms, we hear about the psalmist talking and saying, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light on my path. And the Old Testament, it says, his faithfulness is our shield and our rampart. The word is our first line of defence. You know, it was for Jesus when he was tempted by the devils. His response was always with scripture. So if we know it by heart, automatically our default response to those lies is scripture. And I think there's also value in hearing testimonies as we've done so much this term and it's been wonderful to hear people's testimonies of God's faithfulness to them. And there's also testimony in the Bible time and time again of God coming through. 
And even when Gabriel spoke to Mary, he gave testimony to Elizabeth's pregnancy. Your cousin Elizabeth is already pregnant. Reminding her that no word from God will ever fail. The word is important. It's so important. And even if it doesn't feel tough at the moment for you, if you're in a really good season, let's equip ourselves with word now and get ready because life does have seasons where it's tough. And God never promised that it would be easy, but that he would be with us in the waiting. So let's get stuck into scripture. The second thing I think we can learn about Mary and how she waited is she found friends like Elizabeth. Surround yourself with people like Elizabeth. We hear in the passage of Mary going to Elizabeth and Elizabeth greets her and blesses her. Blessed are you, mother of my Lord. Blessed are you among all women. Yeah, she was rejoicing with her and they stayed together for three months, both of them pregnant, both of them having this promised baby from the Lord. You can imagine them sitting there gossiping, thinking, chatting, you know, praying, um, worshipping together. And I imagine there were good days, and I imagine perhaps there were bad days. But they did it together. I'm so grateful for my church family who who've celebrated with me, who have um, you know grieved with me, who have challenged me and supported me. I really hope that I am that to other people as well. We all go through these seasons where we need more more support and then actually where we've got energy to give out. That's why we need to do it together. So I ask you, if you're not part of a life group, get in in touch with the church office. We'd love to welcome you into a life group so that you can do life together with people, to share lives, ups and downs, and hopefully support each other through the tough times too. Let's be really proactive if you're in a good place, reaching out to those who we know are struggling. Be kind, listen and and encourage them. And actually, often in those moments where life is really tough, the last thing you need is more advice. Be a listening ear and a prayerful friend. Let's encourage each other to continue running the race, chasing after the promises that God has given us. And thirdly, the lesson that we can learn from Mary as she waits for this promise to be fulfilled is practice praise. At the end of this passage, we heard Mary's song, an overflow, an outpouring of her heart. She recalls what the Lord has done for her and her ancestors, and she can't help but sing a sign of her humility that she recognises how big God is and what the magnitude of what he's prepared for her. As I prepare to talk to you, it's funny how God just teaches you the lessons that you're about to talk about. Um, my default position hasn't always been to, to praise when I've not felt like it. Sometimes it's felt really tough and really effortful, not like Mary's song at all. And as I sat down to write, write this bit the other day, we'd literally just heard news that we we're going to have to postpone our house move because um, Elliot had, had contact with someone who tested positive for COVID. And we were frustrated, we were angry, we were annoyed. Um, COVID's ruined so much for so many and and this just was a little thing, but it just disrupted everything we'd had planned. And I thought, before I sit down, I just need to worship God. I need to let, you know, give back, give it all to him and let go. And you know what? It worked. 
as I shifted my focus and looked up. Actually, I realised what was important and who was in control. And actually, probably his palms were a little better than mine. If we practice praise, we reset our focus. It lifts our eyes up above what seems earthly possible, above our own limitations and reminds us of who is in control because he who promised is faithful. And the more we practice, the more it will become our default position. It's almost like muscle memory. You know, do it more and it will just come out when you need it. So when you're waiting and when the storms hit, your default position will be to lift your eyes above those storms and remember the one who calmed the storm with just a single word. Practice praise. So I hope you've enjoyed looking at the story of Mary as we start our Advent series. Um, maybe this was the first time you've heard it, maybe you heard it time and time again, but I really hope that the Lord has spoken to you in a new way about how we wait. What could you focus on this Advent as we count down to the birth of Jesus Christ, our Saviour? Do you need to remind yourself of who you are in God and reconnect with him? Do you need to get stuck into the word and commit it to memory? Do you need to reconnect with church and with faith-filled friends who will spur you on? Or do you need to get into the habit of worshipping more and making that your default? I hope and pray this season of Advent will inspire you to seek the Lord more as we wait for this coming King amongst all the decorations and all the mince pies and all the other preparations, let's prepare our hearts. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.